As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Las Vegas where the UFC is happening. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything. UFC, film, politics, President Trump, President Biden, you name it, we talk about it. It's sex, drugs, rock and roll, no holes barred radio, folks. And we got stuff to talk about today coming off a big show on Saturday for the UFC. I'm here with my partner and co-host, TJ DeSantis. TJ, I am still amped. Yeah, it's, it night. feels like you're still riding uh, the the thunder a little bit. You still you got some extra pep in your step. Normally we record on on Wednesdays, but we're doing yeah. it on a Monday. Yeah. And, and honestly, Bruce, like you've got more energy, I think, right now than my brain can normally handle on a Monday. I uh, I feel it. I feel the reverberations in my body. My adrenaline's still pumping. I got to tell you, I was so amped. Thank you, TJ. I was so amped before the show, knowing what the show was going to entail. Of course, missing the uh, Ortega fight, you know, with Alex sure. and all. I was really, really looking forward to that fight. But the 10 fights we had on Saturday night from beginning to end, from prelim to end, were just rock and roll city. Yeah, no, 100 um, yeah. percent. It was an amazing night. And I, I don't know if it was maybe the uh, added fans and not really fans, but like there were more people in that room than than normal. They were actually talking about it on the broadcast. And, yeah. and maybe it's because that energy uh was there but i i felt like i felt like you had a little extra something in the octagon <laughs> on saturday am I, am I off base on that bruce no you're not off base because you know i'm always up for every show and as i always say that i go out to prove myself every night that it's my first night when i walk out but there are some shows that you just subliminally what goes through speaking personally what goes through my body is is just even more of an amp right as, yeah as, and sometimes it'll happen like, uh, you know, John Anik and I will spend time together before and after the show. And, you know, we could actually tell on each other the, the amount of work we have, him especially with all his pre-prep and everything else. We go over the fights and we amp each other up. And also, too, when I walked in and I saw that um, there was like, you know, 20, 30 or more seats added. Right. So now we got people in there and then people started coming in and Paul Anka, the great Paul Anka, legendary that. Paul Anka, yeah. he comes up to me and, you know, you know, Bruce, nice to see you again. And I remember I met him years ago and it was just what a gentleman. Right. And and he's like, I want you to say, please say hi to my sons. They would like to meet you. And he introduced me to his girlfriend. And wow, it just started feeling like like, like normality, normal? a little yeah. normality was coming back. And then I walk over and, you know, Courtney Kardashian is there with Travis Barker and Travis. Mm -hmm. I've met him you know, numerous times over the years, a huge UFC fan. And um, they were all, you know, cuddled up and enjoying the show like like couples do. And next to them is uh, Machine Gun Kelly and Megan yep. Fox. And it, it a, looked I like a, a fun time, Bruce. It just it looked like a fun, fun time. time. The Fertitta brothers were there. Really? Loren yeah. Lorenzo hey. and Frank were there. It was great to see them. I haven't seen them in so long. And, you know, there were other people that came in. And, and then afterwards in the back, there was a room where now let me let me preface this. Everybody, we are in covid 19 pandemic issue times okay right sure so i know you saw the show and you know you all know if you watch the show my show here how covid safe i am okay i've been vaccinated i follow all the covid protocol we all know about that so there was a room in the back like a green room food bar people were mingling a little bit right you still mm -hmm. you know wearing masks and you know all that but here's the thing everybody had to be tested coming in right, right? you could not enter that arena unless you were tested and so celebrity or not had to be tested. I'm still a little nervous about shaking hands and talking to people personally, but you know, got a little more comfortable, but I still kept up my COVID safeguard guardian barrier. Right. Yeah, but I had as, no you do. Problem. as you do. Yeah. But I mean, you know, taking off the mask and take a picture, you know, real quick, holding my breath or something like that. I had no problem doing that. But aside from all that, it was just, yeah, it added a sense of normalcy, shall we say to the show, maybe a pre prep of the fact that like Dana told me Saturday night when I saw Dana for the first time, Dana, how you doing? You know, we always exchange our words before or during the show, whatever, whenever we see each other. 
And he said, uh, he said, Buff, you better get ready and train for the 24th. I go, Dana, I train for this shit every week. He goes, I know you do, but you know, we're 24th. It's crowded. I said, right. Dana, I only got two words. We're back. Right. And Dana right. started laughing his buns off and we, you know, we shared a moment together. It was, that's it was, awesome. It was, Hey, really cool. rumor on the street is I might be there. Really? Yeah. And why is, uh, not why? I think it's great, but I mean, how did this, what's, what's going on? I mean, I can't really talk about that, but I mean, you you can put two and two together. So we'll see what's up. Yeah. It's called fight and pass. (laughs) Right. True. True. It might be my past. It might be my past to the fights, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm excited about it. Just simply, um, you know, obviously I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm still nervous, you know what I mean? Because we're, we're so close to this thing being over. You know, we're at least the the idea of it being contained to the point where we're not going to be shut down anymore. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I just, I like you said, Bruce, my my whole entire being craves a sense of just normality, just normal. What fight night has always been, and what I hope fight night will be once again and and we're close so hopefully it is exactly what we want it to be coming up uh, on april 24th well i hope so but now that you brought that up and we do have ufc talk to continue but let's just go with this little covid segue you just brought up i want to go into a couple of things i i know we talk about covid all the time but I, i'm going to get an update on covid i love the fact that you said that because i would love for that to happen i'm worried it's not and i'll tell you why mm. Um, Texas has been open. Florida has been open. We are going to Florida, even though I've been vaccinated, even though I'm very careful protocol, as I said, maybe on the show last week, but I'll, I'll say it again right now. And I want the fans to understand this 15,000 fans in the audience. I will not be taking pictures. I will not be shaking hands. I will not be getting close. And I want you all to understand that. Okay. I'm vaccinated. I don't know who is and who isn't in the uh, field of dreams of 15,000 wonderful UFC fans being in attendance. Yeah. But but we're back in a, in a state that has just gone through or is going through a spring break. They're having issues in Florida. They're having issues in Miami. Right. Curfews They're, even in that part of the country. Curfews, uh, crowd gatherings. Five. I saw one thing, uh, 5,000 people sardined in a concert, which I think is beautiful. But at the same time, I think we're losing track of the reality right. where we're at. And it's going to take time, two or three weeks for these spikes. And now what's happening is, is that the CDC, right, they're claiming the CDC director, she's given an emotional warning. And you know what she gave an emotional warning of? of? What's impending that? Impending doom. Impending ah, doom. That's not a warning. That's, that's like a threat. She says right now she's scared. Okay. People are getting a little soft because like what you said, and I'm with you, TJ. I, I, I do see light at the end of the tunnel. Right. But now look, at, look outside. Okay. A good news. London records zero COVID-19 daily deaths for the first time in six months. Yeah. But the cases are soaring everywhere else in Europe. Right. Italy's about to go on lockdown again. Yeah. Right. The Philippines now has ordered more than 25 million people into lockdown over Easter as COVID-19 cases, cases soar. That's my these are areas. Fear. But these are areas that have been locked down like we've locked down. Oh, I know. That, that's and my biggest fear, Bruce, is we're that's almost, my biggest fear. We're almost there. Let's not fumble at the one yard line. That's a that's a horrific and great way of putting it because you're describing it perfectly. Yeah. You know. And now there's been about 143 million uh, doses of COVID-19 vaccine that have been administered in the United States. Thank God I was lucky enough to be one of them. I got the Johnson and Johnson, by the way. That's the one shot and done, right? That's the one shot and done. Now I will tell you uh, the people that got it with me and I got it the day before the show last week in Vegas, not this weekend, but the weekend previous. Right. I almost questioned, should I have gotten it the day before the show? Because I didn't know what the after effects would be. And and this is the single dose. How'd you feel? Well, people that got it with me went into uh, fever. I mean, I got, really? I talked to, oh yeah, they went into fever. They were what about you? horrible. I felt what we call, you ever wake up and you feel off? Yeah, like, yeah. Just there, like you're a step behind, you're sluggish. Yeah, yeah. Can't quite pinpoint what it was. Mm-hmm. But not, again, not UFC 260, but the fight night the previous week. Yep. When I get in that octagon, I equate it to having one knee, having a blown out back, having you know, the flu as I've had doing it, uh, coming off laryngitis. It's the old story. The show must go on. I can muscle through. Right. right? So I did. I don't tell anybody my issues. Right. But I was definitely off. And, and, and you know, the yeah. thing is, Bruce, that that may or may not have had anything to do with the shot itself. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we're just off. 
you know? Yeah, like, what, what bothered me, though, it, it continued for about three days. So right, the, only, yeah. the only common denominator I could give it was the vaccine. But, but you know the so- problem is, though, tubers, we're in flu season. Like, we are. We're at the tail end of, of yeah, flu season. Yeah. So who knows? And uh, th- this is my thing, and, and you said this, you know, going back to the, the arena and, and not taking photos with fans and, and things like that. We've been talking about how the world is going to change forever for a year. And now that you're going to be back in that environment, like let's not escape the realities that we've been talking about for a long time. It's you're not going to be able, at least responsibly going to be able to mingle and and give fans the normal pre COVID experience that you have uh, in the past, because things are different. Yes. And I catch myself because I want to, right? Well, it's just in your nature. Yeah. It's my nature. So uh, again, not to not to bully this point across, but I have to just I love you, UFC fans. Just right. know that I love you. I, I, I'm sorry. You're not trying to be a dick. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm so far from that. It's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, at the same time, wondering what safety and protocol is going to be put in effect in the stadium. Now, if the state of uh, Florida is wide open, then obviously there's no restrictions or issues for the for the arena to put plexiglass up like like hockey. That's separate us from the fans. I, I don't think it's going to be there. I, I wish it would. I, I just a little six footer right there, that first right. row, you know, just give us a separation. Fighters are going to be walking out and people are going to try to grab them. And they're going to, you know, they, like touch the hands, touch this, touch that. Touch I never that. thought about that. I, that's what I'm thinking about. You know? Yeah. I, mean, I, I do fighter, know that this, uh, this stadium is a, a hockey arena. So, I mean, yeah, but that's a different arena. No, I understand has, that. I'm, I, what well, you mean I, is they got the plexiglass. That's in the exactly back what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if <laughs> right. they, if they wanted to do that, it would definitely play with the uh, the sound of the room, um, because if that first entire row is going to be plexiglassed, that uh, the sound of the crowd has to go up before it can kind of come down and be heard. That that would be interesting, but uh, I Listen, don't know. We live not just in our own personal lives, but as a society, we live in an everyday, ever learning, changing world. So now that we that's always set, been the case, by the that's way, it's always too. been the case, but. But in this COVID-19 issue or pandemic, the world in which we live, the UFC was the first one to bring sports back. Right. Right. Now we're one of the first ones going back where we have a crowd in sports. Right. So let we'll, And, and the crowd that you're going to have is much more traditional than, say, like the NFL has run games with limited capacity. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the protocol is going to be in Florida. Like you said, they're wide open. So really none has to be in place. But I, I assume that, uh, you know, y- you guys are going to be doing whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that people like yourself and, and the athletes are uh, separated to some point. Listen, until further notice, it's the same way for me. It's wear the mask sitting down, wear the mask walking around, wear the mask into the octagon. Right. I usually don't take it off until the first fighter enters if I happen to be in the octagon. I be careful with the referees. I don't want to mention any names. But uh, one person I work with, and I'm not saying what capacity they are, uh, was at us with a trip in Abu Dhabi where they were totally healthy and they came back and they got COVID two days later. Where did they get the COVID? Did they right. get it on the plane? Did they get it at the event? Did right. they get it? Whatever. The fighters come in. They test negative on a Monday and positive on a Thursday. This is the, this is the world in which sure. we live. Sure. Do not When I fight, when you fight, what do you do? What's the first rule of fighting? Keep protect your yourself at all up. times. Protect yourself at all times. What well, we're fighting in life right now, and I'm going to protect myself at all times. I'm going to go. I'm. I want to go out to dinner in Florida. I want to go see sure. friends. I'm not. Are Are I'm you? No. Are Are you likely to continue wearing a mask when this is all over? Yes, and given Just in situa- general. Yeah, I think in general, especially in airports. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because yeah. that's the thing, too. Like, that, that, that's that been something that is pretty traditional in a lot of cultures around the world. Right. Um, and, you know, Americans just that wasn't part of our culture. And now looking back on it, I don't know why it would ever go away. You know what I mean? Like, it's something that if, if that's something that you want to do, I don't think it's, there's the taboo, I think, Bruce, is, is gone or at least I hope it is because it is sort of the responsible thing to do. If you're not feeling well, or you have a cold, the most responsible thing to do is if you have to go out in public is to wear a mask. So you don't the taboo is gone. Yeah. But due to our previous administration division in the world, in the United States, the opinions of people to wear or not sure, to, I to get be it. here, let me finish to be or not to be to wear or not to wear 
Yeah. This will continue. And it'll continue on an individual basis, depending on what the law states you have to, you have not have to not. Right. I'm just saying people aren't going to look at you funny anymore. They're not going to look at you funny. Like we used to look at, you know, Asian populace walking through airports and and maybe giggled 10 years ago. Why are they wearing a mask? You know what? They were smart. Okay. Let's face it. Yeah. I mean, it's the polite thing to do. Honestly, polite thing to do. So now uh, an answer your question without my long winded answer as usual. Uh, Yeah. I will continue to where I deem it needed. Uh-huh. Um, until we're living in a perfect environment where we're just facing a person that has a cold at the next table or maybe the flu down the street. The bottom line is we're always come up against these things, but we've come up against something recently that kills us more than mm-hmm. anything else kills us. Sure. So, yes, I, I give in the situation. I'll always have masks in the car. I'll always have gloves in the car. And I think, if anything, this has just caused me to get become more of a germaphobe versus the minor level of germaphobe I was before the pandemic ever hit. So while my life has changed forever, I will continue to do certain things. It's not a bad and thing either. It's not a bad thing is staying healthy. Right. And and in, in terms of environment and work environment, these are the things, and I've touched on this before in business, but there's things that have happened in this pandemic that I have excelled at in business and increased my business three, 400% in certain areas, which is called the virtual world. Okay, of the Zoom meetings and the the uh, virtual appearances at events and the videos to be there when I can't be there and all that. This is going to continue in business because businesses like myself in my very areas of business, I have found the value of this virtual world because a it saves me time and travel. Right. B it saves my clients money to pay me to travel and Mm -hmm. other people to travel. C. It, it creates a very simple environment to get the same punch that they would fly me out and spend tons of money on me for, yep. which they'll still have to do for me to be part of their event, whatever money they care to offer. Sure. Me. But they're going to save a lot of money and it's I'm going to save a lot of time. It's more efficient. I can be in five places in one week where I could only be in two previously. Right. I'm going to continue to do this type of work unless I have to be there. Okay. Like yeah. poker after dark wants me to go play poker right on TV. Uh-huh damn it, I'm going to be there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if they wanted me just to announce it, well, here's your video, baby. Go sure. play it on the air. Okay. Yep. Yep. You know, that's just, I'm serious. It, it's proven to be very successful and companies are realizing their bottom lines are loving it and their mm-hmm. profit margins well, are loving it. Think you about know? it. Think about all the buildings that have had, you know, people in the office working that they found through COVID they don't need to have in house anymore. And if you don't need, those people in house, you can reduce your square footage immensely. Um, my my wife works for a, a pretty big company here in Southern California, and they've talked about going back to work. And they keep pushing the date back. Uh, now I think they're the earliest they'll consider coming back is uh, September of this year. Uh-huh. And I I personally don't know if she'll ever go back to work because she does a a job Bruce where she doesn't have to be on hand. And you know even. Uh, even if they were back in the office, the the meetings are so efficient through Zoom that I don't know if they'll get away from that because they can just plug in and 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 do things that way. And um, I think we're going to find out that a lot of people that used to have to go to work every day are no longer going to have to do that in their lives for the most part. Uh, are are more fulfilling because they're not sitting in traffic. They're not doing right. things that sort of destroy uh, a good portion of their day in, in transportation. And uh, it's a step uh, in evolution in a lot of ways, I think. Well, you're just strengthening my point in, in various ways. And uh, again, we get back to another situation. It's like the business that I run here, the Kristen and I run, if I was 20 years ago, pre-internet or 25 years ago, I would do what I always did, you know, 10, 20,000, 30,000 square feet of offices, right. you know, uh, shipping, secretary, every needless overhead all over the place. The profit margins are nothing but just so big when you don't have that. Right. And then the other aspect is, is that I'm a self-motored individual that I can wake up and work out of my home office mm-hmm. or wherever I have. Many people can't do that. But the last year, just like teaching kids, for better or worse, how to school themselves. This has te- taught executives and employees how to motivate themselves and do their job at home. Because I come from right. the school and I'm this way. When I run a company, I run a company, okay? I pat you on the back, I reward you, but I'm tough. You right. do your friggin' job, okay? Right. And if you get a job to do and it takes eight hours to do it, and if I tell you you have four hours to do it, you're going to get it done. Right. But if I give you an eight hour, if I give you a four hour job and give you eight hours to do it, you're going to take eight hours. 
Right, of course. Okay. So this is a way to create efficiency. Yeah. And there's ways to make it work. Granted, yeah. not all companies. So what are the effects it's going to have economically? Um, tremendous for the companies in different ways. And at the same time, maybe it's going to affect other areas because there's not going to be a lot. Well, of, there's going to be positives and negatives. Right. I, I think the biggest negative is the the social aspect of things because big while, negative, big negative. while i yeah. feel like there are a lot of things that we can do at home and maybe should do at home for the sake of convenience ease uh economically speaking i think it makes more sense whether it's for the business or or even for the average person who spends a, a significant chunk of money uh commuting for work um i, I do feel like schooling and school-age kids have suffered immensely and the minute that my son can go back to a traditional environment safely, I will put him there because nine-year-old kids need to be with nine-year-old kids. And I, I think as adults, we don't necessarily need to intermingle with coworkers. But, I mean, Bruce, I can't remember the last time I went out to lunch or dinner with someone. Like, honestly, like not in a special circumstance where it was – you know, we were both tested or, uh, you know, limited capacity and, and put off, you know, socially distanced. I miss that interaction and, and yeah. I hope we can get back to it again. But uh, that that's really the biggest downfall, I think, and the biggest negative of all of this is the deprivation of, of human contact. Well, like we talk about with the young kids, like my boys, you know, Henry and Rupert, like every other boy and girl around their age of 13 and 15 and 16. Um, the social interaction they're losing is more detrimental to their future. 100 social interaction that we're losing right i okay? mean they're coming into man they're coming into the manhood and womanhood so it's yeah. more important but also for us too a lot of lonely people out there a lot of depression a lot of suicides a lot of they all we've read all these horrific things that happen and this is all explanation of to why we need to interact we need to communicate we need to be able to date and socialize without worrying about hospitalization and dying right okay yeah. and that's yeah. what we got to get back to right and it's and 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 communication is key to everything in life socialization is key to mental health and everything in life too. interaction. You know, I, being single today is very difficult for a lot of people. It's not the same, but in the, in a, in a work environment, this is where a lot of people meet their dates and their mates and their friends and everything. That's the beauty of working and interacting and all that. And I hope it all comes back comfortably. I've never worked for a company where uh, somebody at some point didn't uh, find someone within the building to uh, go out and have a few drinks with and become a little extra friendly with. Yeah. Whether it's a, you know, it's, drinks with the guys or you meet a right. girl you like or the girl meets guys, you know whatever yeah although i do come from the school and i'll put this out there everybody through trial and error in my life and owning all the companies i don't recommend dating where you work no <laughs> i'm just, just going to put but, that out there it's, but, it's, it's, but, it's something that's not always going to work out the best to your advantage but even in the platonic sense there's something to be said for team building by yes. going out and just yes. getting away from work and, and having a, a drink or having a meal and it's your peers uh, it's your teammates yeah Right. It's a, you, you play uh, you play soccer, you play football, you play baseball. You want to go have drinks afterwards. You I want to know who the people are around yes. me on a daily basis. You know, absolutely. So. That's the beauty of going to work. But at the same time, what we're talking about is the beauty of getting along by yourself and working in your own environment. Right. Because that, that's for me, Bruce. I uh, I've known this prior to covid, uh, but I'm, I'm not one that enjoys working from home. Um, mine is more functionality. Uh, like I said, I have a nine-year-old son who doesn't go anywhere. So yeah. when I'm trying to record, if I'm in the house, that door's getting beaten down. But uh, beyond that, I, I just like the separation. I have a ritual that I personally love, and that's listening to uh, a podcast or a radio show on my way to work and, and getting right. caught up with the world's events. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to not lose that during this time. And um, you know, if you take that ritual away from me, a little part of me is going to die. Honestly, a little part of yeah. who I am is, is going to go by the wayside. And I don't like that. So, um, you know, that's another thing too. We talk about evolution. I, I think people have started to learn about themselves and evolve and adapt the way uh, they need to, to get that peace of mind. I, I remember listening to a, a comedian about six months ago. I can't remember who it was, but they were like, um, no one can use the excuse, Bruce, anymore of if I just had more time on my hands, I'd clean the garage if I just had more time on my hands. Well, you've had nothing but time on your hands. If you haven't cleaned that garage yet, it's never getting clean. No, if you're if you haven't done it yet, you're procrastinator in that area. It's not going to change. Just just but, accept the fact that you're not capable of doing the things you think you are. Yeah, exactly. But also in the benefit of us in our natural environments before COVID hit, we're used to working in our 
our aloneness. You know, I, sure. I, I, I'm good at working alone. I like I'm solitude. good at working in front of crowds. I like solitude. I'm used to it. People weren't used to it and they had to adapt to it. And hopefully they have. And moving on, let's just uh, let's just all hope for the best. But yes, the light at the end of the tunnel is coming through. But when I read about these other countries closing down, and I read about five hundred forty thousand plus deaths in the U- in the USA, right? And and I read about the openings and everything else, um, the variants and all that stuff. The variants, the whole bit remains to be seen. Let's see. Let's hope for the best. It is, but there is definitely light shining at the end of the tunnel. Okay. We've done the COVID talk. Let's get back to, uh, before we get in the news, I want to get back to a little UFC talk. Okay, Saturday night, UFC 260. I, again, the excitement I have within myself when I'd walk in the octagon, even though there were maybe 40 people more than wherever there for the last number of shows, I found that the excitement within myself, my adrenaline, everything was pumping. I had a fun time announcing the show. Great time watching the fights. Uh, wish Ortega and Alex happened. Would have made it that much more of an evening, but Let's go through the, a few of these uh, these fights, okay? Kama Worthy, Malarkey. Yeah, no, that was crazy, right? <laughs> crazy, man. jeez. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, what can you say? Awesome. Yeah, I mean, awesome. Kama Worthy had no idea what happened and was asking no. people what had happened, and no. uh, you know that's a good knockout when that's the case. Yeah, I, you know, if that's the proper way to put it, it is. Yes, definitely a good uh, knockout. That's the case, and and Miranda Maverick and Jillian Robertson. I mean. Miranda Maverick is incredible. She's a, a PhD candidate uh, teaching class, like really? mid UFC uh, fight week. Yeah, she was running classes Good. while she was in Good her hotel her. room. Wow, you know, she's I, incredibly that's awesome. uh, an amazing. Like, I, so she fought an Invicta a bunch before going to the UFC, and uh, I would always tell Miranda, like, no matter what I accomplish in a day, Miranda Maverick will always make me feel lazy because she's, <laughs> you know, at the top of her game, uh, professional fighter. Um, and also again, a PhD candidate at old dominion wow. university, um, and, and is constantly getting better. And Jillian Robertson is no joke, especially on the floor. Uh, Dean Thomas, uh, trained black belt, very, very talented. And Miranda was able to basically shut her down. Two judges gave her 30, 27, uh, 129, uh, 28. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting in the second round, Jillian Robertson had, uh, gotten Miranda to the floor and looked like she was going to get a, a superior position multiple times and, and had her back, but with an asterisk, Bruce, the two and a half, three minutes that she was on the floor with Miranda, she never once got a hook in. She never once secured that back. Right. And that that's really impressive because I said, uh, Robertson is a, is a high level black belt and uh, Miranda Maverick just shut her down. Yeah, no, she did. She did powerful girl too. Mm-hmm. Powerful, powerful. Grew up on girl. a farm. She farm strong. Wow. It's Matt Hughes strength. Flyweight. Yeah. Throwing the yeah. bales of hay, huh? One hundred percent. She's strong mentally and physically, and uh, yeah, she she's very, a, a blue chipper to keep your your eyes on. I my eyes are on her. Very very mentally strong. I can see that announcing her. You know, I look into their eyes. I can see just strength, but body strength. She's a bull, man. This one yeah. of the strongest flyweight women I've ever seen. You know, yeah, naturally. it'll be so. interesting. Interesting to see if she can stay at one twenty five. Um, she does have a difficult weight cut, but. Uh, I mean, as long as she's comfortably making it, uh, she's going to be a handful for anybody. Hey, uh, she moves up to 135. She goes to Bantamweight. She'll still be a fierce. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Okay. Bantamweight-wise, Sean O'Malley, Thomas Almeida. Now, Thomas Almeida, always a game fighter, always a tough fighter. I have not seen him in the octagon in a while. Um, Sean O'Malley coming in. I won't say that Sean O'Malley had anything to prove, but I think Sean O'Malley to himself had something to prove. He always has something to prove. Yeah. He's that kind of fighter. And, um, you know, it's it, it's not so much, I think, watching Sean and having him on the show and talking to him, but watching his after comments and everything. It's not like he's striving for the belt as he's striving more for respect, success, and to show that he's, you know, the best at what he does. He's got a know? chip on his shoulder. I mean, there's a chip. It's okay. Simple, it's, simple it's, as that. It's a constructive chip, though. It's a constructive it, chip. It can be and it can be. One thing that I was a little bit worried about is in the first round, it looked like he was going to finish the fight with that, that head kick, and he kind of walked off, and Mark Smith did not immediately jump in and, and yeah. Daniel Cormier kind of pointed to the idea that maybe that's why the finish didn't happen in round number one. There are style points that Sean O'Malley wants to achieve every time out. And sometimes if you're striving for those style points, you can let things get away from you. But uh, bottom line is it all worked out in the end. Uh, vicious knockout uh, of Thomas Almeida and, you know, the the sugar show shines. You know, it absolutely shines. Um one rule of thumb in the street in the world I always come from is never turn your back on your opponent, right? A walk-off is a walk-off, but make sure that they're 
down for the count before you walk off, you know? And uh, let's face it, he's got style and he showed it. And uh, he's definitely uh, an attraction and it factor and, and uh, growing with the fans. And we'll see where it goes from here. But I was very impressed with Sean's work. And again, I give credit to uh, Made a tough kid. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, no one no one eats that head kick like he did and continues to fight. I mean, that happened in like what the third minute and the fight doesn't end until the third round. So uh incredibly tough stuff uh you know showed by by him. But with O'Malley, the one question that I have, uh, I think he's definitely on the fringe of the top ten. Um, but when he runs into some of the more skilled wrestlers at 35, yeah. I'm curious what that looks like because he, he throws his his strikes and his combinations in, in a way where it, it requires him to be incredibly confident and a lot of movement, a lot of fakes. He gets his opponents to really bite to his uh, actions and then tries to capitalize on, on their reactions. And uh, when O'Malley has to throw with the idea that someone may take him down, mm-hmm. I'm curious what that arsenal looks like, because if he's fighting someone, even like a Frankie Edgar, who's shown the ability to take people down and and control them, I don't know if we see him spin as much. And if he's not spinning, then his uh, offensive game is not as dynamic. And and if you take away that dynamic offense, maybe you reduce his his opportunities to actually knock people out. But uh, that's why they fight him. We'll find out. We'll find out, you know, and again, okay, I said never turn your back on your opponent. I always say that when I used to bang, I always had a, I loved a good spinning back fist, bottom fist, mm-hmm. spinning back kick, uh, spinning heel hook, you know, and I would, I would hit with these quite often, right? And, and I loved them. But at the same time, every time you turn your back to an opponent, especially like a wrestler knows how to charge you, or right. you're just really leaving yourself wide open. And there's some good wrestlers yeah. at 35 in the top 10 that, that They'll jump main, right in there. Yeah. Jump right in there and take them right down. You know, you know better than anybody. Right. Yep. It's uh, so we'll see. The other question that comes up, and this is not coming from me, but I've read about other people. People question uh, Sean's durability. Physically. Right. I mean, his his legs yeah. have been an issue in the past. Um, he was wearing those tie socks on Saturday night. It yeah, looked that. it looked like the left tie sock had some significant tape uh, underneath it, and I believe that was the injured ankle. Um, but you know, the bottom line is. Uh, people are going to try to, you know, poke holes in, in things based on oh, the sure. evidence in the past, no matter what. And and that is one thing that people have been able to point to is he's had some uh, leg injuries and, and uh, injury uh, in his last fight uh, with Cheeto Vera uh, right. with, with with his ankle. Um, so th- that's going to remain uh, to be sort of a question. But at the same time, Bruce, like, look at that low uh, calf kick. At this point, it's a, it's an occurrence in almost every fight, no yep. matter what weight class. Yep. So Sean O'Malley is going to have to worry about his legs, regardless of whether or not we've yep. had evidence in the past that you know shows that maybe that they're vulnerable. So uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it as no. long as he can keep going. I think the real concern is you know his movement relies on his legs being in good condition. If yes. if his legs are taken away from him you really limit everything. his ability to fight the way that he wants to. Yeah, it affects everything. You're exactly correct. I can't, I can't change anything you just said. Let's just hope for the best. I always like watching Sean fight. Look forward to the next time he's in the octagon. It brings a lot of lot of flavor, a lot of flavor to his bouts. Yeah. Tyron Woodley, Vincent Luque, Tyron came out um, like a bull in a china shop. You know, I think and that's what caught. we wanted, right? Like people yeah. want to know if Tyron was still hungry. You got that question answered. Like he was hungry. Answer. He went for it. He was hungry, went for it. Uh, the old story, you go in for a knockout, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to knock out your opponent. You're going to get knocked out. Um, I was, uh, as soon as I saw they wasn't lifting his arms, I knew this was going to be close to the end. Sean, you know, Tyron, please lift your arms, cover your face, cover your face. I'm just, I'm, I found, I actually was yelling a little bit during this fight. I'm not really? out of character. Yeah, I'm like, lift your arms, Tyron. Well, you know? When you can see it coming. Yeah, it, it's hard not to vocalize it in some sense. You I, know what you mean? know, I got my little table with the apex. I'm telling you, I love this atmosphere. It's great. I'm such a fan, you know, and it, Vincent Luque is such a beast. Oh, God, he's a beast. You know, Porhada, that's the name of the word for Vincent Luque. Luque right. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. He took out the great Tyron Woodley and, and Tyron right. came there to fight, man. Yeah. Tyron came to fight. And, and that's the thing. Tyron was ranked number seven coming into the night. And obviously we we've seen him fall on some tough times. Yeah. Um, but that welterweight division is among mm. the most talented in, in mixed martial Staggering. arts. Staggering. And and when you look at Tyron Woodley, sure, he's ranked seven, but if Tyron comes in vintage form, he may as well be the champion. You know yeah. what I mean? If he's on all cylinders, like 
he's one of the toughest outs in MMA. And the fact that Luke was able to weather that storm and wrap up that Darce on the floor, unbelievable stuff by him. Um, Excited to see where he goes. Curious to see where Woodley goes, because even though he lost this fight, it was a Tyron Woodley that wanted to win in a way where, I mean, I don't want to sell him short and say that he didn't want to win his last fights, but he, he seemed to be a different fighter and someone who's longer in the tooth, a former champion. This is something that I've talked with Ray Longo a lot about. There is a light in the eyes of former champions that seems to go away once they've been to the top of the mountain and have to take a step back. And it's not often that uh, those fighters can get back to the top of the mountain. And, you know, prior to this fight with Luke, a lot of people were saying that Tyron was done. And yeah, I understand that he, he lost this fight, but I think we saw a fire and a passion in the eyes of Tyron Woodley that we hadn't seen since the Darren Till fight. Agreed. Simple as that. Agreed. I had a chance to talk to him after the fight. We were walking back. I was leaving the arena. Um, and so many words, you know, Tyron said an opening for the, for the knockout. And he went for it. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you go for the knockout, one of two things are going to happen. He was close. He was yep, very, he, very he was close. close. So Speaking of close or not so close, let's get into the heavyweight. And again, mm. Tyron, I want to see you back, Tyron. I want to see you back. Vincent Luque, I'm smelling gold for this kid. You know, <laughs> he's, we'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find, find out. out. I, it's, it's, good, it's in his future and potentially, you know, he's, he's got it. Um, and it's nice to see, you know, Brazilian, uh, the Brazilian, you know, still putting out some really top, top notch fighters. Sure. They do so often. Uh, Steve Miocic and Francis Ngannou, uh, you know, sure. Take number two. Wow. Ngannou. Um, the stuffing of the takedowns, the uh, the wrestling moves around the back from front to rear, uh, the patience in his striking. Uh, Cardio-wise, we don't know. Is his cardio really up to snuff? It wasn't enough of a test of cardio, but it was a test I of cardio. I actually think it was. It was. It, yeah, I, 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 I corrected myself there. It was a test of cardio. Yeah. And and he shined. I would have liked to see him go into the third or fourth round for reasons of whoever made the best man win, but the best man did win. Right. Devastating knockout on what is considered the greatest of all time heavyweights in the UFC and Stipe Miocic. We had on the show last week, you know, friend, great guy. I mean, we're going to get a rubber match, aren't we? We have to I, at this I point. Don't know. I don't Do you think, do you think yeah. it'll be a rubber match? Yeah. I, I, don't I think know being if the be greatest the next... of all time heavyweight. No, no. Cause it's, we all want to see John Jones. You know? Right. But, but again, I have a hard time believing that, Stipe has three or four more fights, and Francis isn't one of those fights. If I, he stops fighting before then, be. sure. Um, he deserves it. He's a, a right. long-reigning heavyweight GOAT champion. Mm-hmm. And Ganu now on his way to GOAT status, potentially. Marketability through the roof for Francis and Gano. I think he's hugely marketable. Oh, 100%. Hugely marketable. Dude's a stud, and he's got a an amazing stud. story. I, I tweeted before the the fight started, and it's true. I mean, you and I, w- we love Stipe. Uh, yeah. Fantastic human being, super great guy. You know, I someone, like Francis a lot too. <laughs> no, one hundred percent. I'll get to that point. Um, but you know, we we've been able to enjoy some time with Stipe on the yes. show. Um, would love to get Francis on in the future. But w- what what I'm saying is, when you look at the stories of Stipe Miocic, firefighter, husband, all-American dude, you know, just the the guy that lives down the street, you know, he's a typical guy where it's like, oh, you know my buddy Stipe over there? Yeah, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. Really? That guy? He's so nice and humble. Um, And and then you look at Francis Ngannou, like uh, struggling to get uh, out of Cameroon, and and Joe Rogan has chronicled his story being essentially left for dead in Morocco, things like that. Uh, make his story just uh, the stuff of, of a motion picture. It's, it's a it, movie. Right. A movie. So what I was saying is it's very difficult. I thought it was difficult to sort of pick a winner on Saturday night simply because the, the line was close and, and we already knew what had happened it in the was. first meeting. But it it's even harder to pick who has the better story because both are great dudes and, and are role models uh, to their sphere of influence, like you always talk about, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in ways that you want champions to be. And now the Francis has been to the champion, um, truly one of the best stories I, I think that mixed martial arts has ever seen. No question. There's room for two movies. There's room for three, um, and deservingly so. But I think Francis... Buffer gets cameos in all of them, too. So. <laughs> hey, I'm working on my own project right now. Um, or they're working on it for me. All I can say is 
uh, France and Ghana's story is what legends are made of, as is Stipe's, but getting to Francis. There's so much to this man that we're going to learn about. And uh, as long as he defends and maintains and reigns as heavyweight champion, this is going to be a very glorious um, reign to watch. I think it's going to be very cool, very classy. And uh, it's, it's a great gonna, story, no matter gonna, what. He's, I'm telling you, he's one of the most marketable athletes in the world right now. You think he's going to fight hey, John Jones? Well, that's what John wants. That's, uh, that's it. I, I, I'm sure he would love to. I mean, back at the Brinks truck, like, do we do whatever we need to do to make it happen? Because that's got to be a a pay-per-view that goes through the roof, right? I think it would be the hugest pay-per-view in the history of the UFC. Over 2 million buys? I think it would be the biggest you're, okay. You're you're drinking the Kool-Aid a little too much. I think it has a shot at becoming potentially the biggest pay-per-view that we have. Has if John the, Jones ever broke a the, million? I don't I think don't John know, Jones but ever I, broke a million yet. But the combination, this is the thing. And again, I'm going on a big statement by saying that. Let me rephrase it and say it'll definitely be in the top five. The, hmm. the reason he, I say that is because with the heavyweight title, yeah. the heavyweight that, that's image. That's exactly that's what it brings yeah. to the table. I was just thinking about that because John Jones has been heralded as the greatest of all time, pound for pound, for a very long time. A lot of people believe that John is the most talented fighter to now ever. Now he's going to go up against King Kong. He's going to well, go up he's, against, yeah. If he's fighting for the title that, in my mind, mints you the baddest man on the planet, yes. it, it's you're, hard not to think that that would carry over to casual fans. That maybe, it out. Yeah, you're right. Every media outlet is going to be all over this I, I don't think it will outdraw khabib and and connor but top five top is five. a realistic goal top five yeah top five but it does have a chance <laughs> but top five you know it's like john jones story right john jones popularity yes he's not light heavyweight he's going for heavyweight this is a major move this is even a bigger more attractive move than when the legendary dc cormier moved from light heavyweight uh, you know uh, back to heavyweight okay, i, I this, just i don't know about john getting hit by francis that's okay, something that, that we don't next, know this is my next question here's how i see this okay i'm not saying who's going to win but john jones is going to have to be on the move yeah, he's going to be moving the entire it, time. There's no moving straight in on Francis and Gano. You've got to be moving, stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. Do not grapple and do not get hit. I mean, I think he has to grapple uh, at one point yes. or another. He's going to have to grapple. But the thing that is interesting about John is, like you're saying, if he's able to stay on his bike and move and get in and out and not get hit, uh, that's definitely the the best path to victory for him um but early on in that fight i mean john has been hit in his last few fights yes and and that's something that is sort of new to john john wasn't getting hit like outside of the first alexander gustafson meeting john really didn't get hit much all the way up to his ufc you know light heavyweight title um capturing but when you look at what tiago santos did to him when you look at even what dominic reyes did to him yep I don't know if John can walk through the power of Francis Ngannou in the first seven and a half minutes the way that he has throughout pretty much his entire light heavyweight campaign. And and that's the X factor at, at heavyweight for John. Can John taste the power of these gentlemen at heavyweight and still remain John Jones? Because if he can't, we're going to see John legitimately lose the first fight of his career. Yeah, that's the big question. When I was on Mike Tyson's Hot Boxing Podcast the other week, we brought up and, and I brought it up and I asked Mike about it. What do you think about the power? You know, John, because he, he was talking about John Jones and, you know, this is how great he is. And the question was the power facing a, a heavyweight thing. And and Mike said, look, he's not a striker, knockout artist, but he can move. Right. And, and he, he can do so many different things. Fly he's, an the air. he's an amazing yeah, he's an athlete. athlete. He's going to have to approach it like uh, Spider-Man would be taking on, you know, the big uh, monsters he takes on. Move, 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 right. move, 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 do whatever it takes. And that's move, great. Move, move. If John can yeah. do that, that's great. But with someone like Francis, it just takes one. It just takes one punch. But one thing I was also impressed with Francis about is uh, I love the calf kick. I love the head kick. Right. It's like I love the, I, the wrestling super maneuvers. Patient. Yeah. Super, super patient. And that was the real sort of question yeah. about whether or not uh, he would be able to overcome some of the issues in the first fight. Um, you, know, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I don't know cardiovascularly, like if Francis was a significantly different fighter, but I do know that he was able to stave off that wrestling uh, offensive early 
and not, you know, get worried about it to where he wasn't sitting down on his strikes. Uh, you mentioned throwing kicks. Like, more often than not, if, you, if you're worried about a takedown, the last thing you're going to do is take one of your feet off the ground. Um, with, with, with Francis, he showed a lot while also simultaneously keeping a lot left in the bag as far as where he's at evolution, evolutionarily speaking. So, like, I'm curious if, if, if John were to fight Francis, the fight's got to get to the third or fourth round. I really believe that. Um, and yeah. from rounds one to three, Francis is the more likely winner at any point. But once it gets past that middleweight point, John Jones probably going to be the favorite. I think no matter who Francis fights, you just put out the basic uh, design of the fight. Right. It's like Tyson. You know, when Tyson was fighting, it's like if it went past the third round, it's almost Tyson saying to himself, why is this guy still standing? Right. The blueprint is there. It's just whether or not the execution can be done. And uh, even if you fight the smartest fight, like I said, if you make one mistake with Francis, it might be the only mistake you make in the fight. Exactly. Listen, he did nothing but impress me. I can't wait to watch him as he progresses. Stipe, all the best to Stipe. He will be back more than likely. And Well, Stipe yes. is in the driver's seat right now, if you think about it, because he's the greatest statistical heavyweight of all time. Right. Um, he's already got a win over the champion in Francis Ngannou. If Derek Lewis or Francis have to fight one another, Stipe could take the winner of that. Uh, if if John Jones fights uh, Francis, Stipe could take the winner of that. So while Stipe is no longer the heavyweight champion, he's kind of waiting for the next contender to solidify themselves for him to fight still. That scenario you just put out is a scenario I believe to be the true case. It's either Jones or Derek with Stipe catching the winner. That's what I see. Right there. Francis. Jones or Francis. Not Grant, Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pardon me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 But I mean, yes. I mean, that's the thing too. Derek Lewis owns a win over Francis and Ghana. So if Derek were to fight Francis, maybe they can't come up with the money for John. Um, then, then, I mean, he, those, one of those three men will be Stipe's next opponent. I think. All right, let's just go one more thing and then we'll get off the fight game. If the, they can't come up with the money for John. Okay. Think about this. John's been spending months gaining weight and training to be a heavyweight. Right. There has to be money for John because we want to see John fight at heavyweight. So there has to be a deal made. And I believe there will be a deal made. That's my belief. If if for whatever reason, John doesn't take the next fight with Francis Ngannou, it's going to be one of two reasons. Uh, One, for whatever reason, they weren't able to make his price point, which I don't see them not being able to do. Or or two, John just wants more time. He wants to find uh, himself as a heavyweight. Uh, and if you're stepping in there with, with Francis or anybody really for that matter, when you have the reputation and lore that John does, you want to make sure that you're doing it the right way. Same thing with George St. Pierre when he moved up to, to middleweight. He did so on his own terms. He beca- he came uh, in a- as the fighter physically that he wanted to be. I don't want to see John come in where he, you know, is, is walking at 225 or 235 and doesn't feel like he's a much different fighter. I, I want to see uh, a John Jones in a heavyweight frame. And, and that's another question, too, is what does a heavyweight John Jones look like? Because while he has to put on strength and size, Bruce, he can't do so in a way that will limit his mobility and take away what I think his biggest strength is at heavyweight, and that's being the the more faster and agile uh, opponent of whomever he stands in front of. So, uh, he's, yeah. He's genetically engineered to do all this. His body, to me, is genetically engineered to adapt and form into exactly what it needs to do. So we'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find I mean, out. That, that's great and all, but if he gets hit on the button, it doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. You get hit on the button, especially by a beast like Francis Ngannou. It's it's good night, Susan. You're right. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, again, entertainment, UFC providing it. I'm happy to stand in the center of it, and I can't wait to see it all happen. We talked so, a lot about MMA on this show. I mean, that's well, how good it, of a card it, this was. That's how good of a card it is, and it, it was, and it deserves to be talked about. And um, and like we'll you said, it. we even lost the Volkanovski and, and Ortega fight. I mean, uh, yeah, but we 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 uh, uh, got another Nurmagomedov. We got true. another one. It's true. My we goodness, jeez. I mean, the whole family's coming into the UFC. Yeah, That's I incredible. mean, and and they're welcomed with open arms. I mean, they're heck the yeah. most dominant family in the planet. I think. Heck, heck, yes. Come on, God, I don't want to get in a brawl at that barbecue. No, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> that family barbecue. All right. Oscar De La Hoya is coming back. He's going to box again in July at 54, 55, however old he is. Right. 
another sign we're out of fighting Dana. I don't know. I, I heard Fernando Vargas put out a, uh, uh, Instagram post. I think he'd be interested in fighting him. Who knows what the, uh, choice of opponents going to be. And it just makes you wonder after making tens and tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, you worry about boxing. the motivations. You yes. worry about the motive. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that, that's not super interesting to me. Um, I mean, good for him. If he wants to go out there and, and can and, and make the money, that's great, but meh. Good for him. This is Sean Johnson uh, situation is getting quite out of hand for this man. Oh uh, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. When when his text messages leaked, that yeah, was a tech, interesting. I didn't read any of them, but I could assume what they probably were. Well, and you no, know, it was more of him like apologizing for the situation. That's right, apologizing, and he's deleting the Instagram messages and right uh, all that's trying to settle with people now, and the settlements coming through. You know, like he just turned down a like, baseless six-figure settlement demand from an accuser. And I think we talked about it with Sammy. There was some plausible deniability leading up to you know where we were at the time of recording when yeah. we did that show. But now, like when you hear these text messages and messages getting deleted, that window of you know plausible deniabilities it's closing and it's closing fast. Yeah, I know there's people coming out of the woodwork and, you know, just and it claiming he was like a serial. Uh, right. Approached this whole thing like a serial, you know, yeah. for, for whatever he was doing. But we'll see what happens, uh, see how it affects his career. Uh, you know, two students died uh, after a collegiate rowing crew capsized during practice. I, this is unreal. Really? A collegiate rowing crew. Think about it. Collegiate rowing crew. That means yeah. at the top of their game. Yeah, I'm sure that boats capsize from time sure. to time. But you wonder how something like that happened, because, I mean, as far as I know, these are generally in, in like bays or in like lakes. Um, it's not like they're going through rapids and getting stuck upside down. And I mean, if you're if you're again, like you said, at the top of your game, Bruce, you're probably pretty comfortable in the water. So that's yes. that's odd. I wonder what happened there. There were 20 to 30 miles an hour winds the boat Ooh, overturned what are they people, doing out in that thing? i don't know people around on the water they say trying to save them uh some residents live up by sprang into action um just correct me if i'm wrong like when you're in a rowing crew you're just in a a longer boat it's not like you're in a kayak where your legs are well this stuck is obviously in something a, i think this is obviously uh let's say crew clip boat capsize five students aboard right yeah so i mean you dive. sit higher in that boat it's not like you're tethered in in a way like uh when, when i see people in in kayaks and those things get capsized and are upside down um some people can't get free and and you understand there like as far as i know with with rowing crew um it, it's kind of like a canoe almost it's not yeah the, no it is it's, yeah it's just tragic it's just really no 100 I, I love rowing by the way one of my favorite things you get in a rowboat uh, I bought not something one of the, I can do out here, but uh, yeah, put me in no, a lake. It, I'll go all over the place. It's a great exercise. I just bought one of these really nice rowing machines for my, uh, my home gym. Oh yeah. I think that thing works you out. Let me tell you something. Oh, it's worth I, every damn yeah. penny I spent on it. No, I, uh, of all the cardiovascular exercises you can do, rowing is my jam. I like it. Yeah. It's a full body. It's almost like a kettlebell workout. I noticed that my full body is getting the effect. So oh, I, your I really legs, your it. chest. Yeah. Oh, for everything, sure. everything, everything back, of course. Okay, uh, collectible information before we go off. A notorious Biggs hubcap from the death ride with the uh, SUV he was riding in. Notorious B.I.G.? Yeah, Notorious B.I.G. They're auctioning off one of his hubcaps from the SUV. They expect mm. the hubcap to go for $150,000. It's one of those Again, things another morbid, it's a morbid yeah, thing. For, yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, we've talked a lot about that stuff. Like, I don't want to own something where it's it's famous for being part of a crime scene you yeah, know what i mean or like the serial killer memorabilia that's out there people yeah, buy I, up like crazy i mean i i understand the allure to it in the sense that like maybe if you have like a dark museum sure but like i don't no, want that in my home that's, it's just that's bad too energy dark. Bad that's energy. just too dark yeah no forget that that's i mean listen Everybody, whatever makes your boat float, that just doesn't make my boat float. Not to coin a pun from what we just talked about. I didn't mean it that way. Bruce, next time, don't point it out. It would have yeah, been fine exactly, if you went yeah, to point exactly, it out. Exactly. You point it out, and then I'm like, buffer. That, that's like saying, hey, listen, you ever hear this joke? Don't. No, just tell the just joke. Just tell the joke. Yeah. yeah. Okay, an exceptionally rare 15th century Chinese uh, antique that was bought at a yard sale for $35, right? A vase. Mm-hmm. It just sold for seven hundred twenty-one thousand eight hundred dollars. Of course it did. Of course, <laughs> they it got did. it at a yard sale. Unbelievable. I, I wonder what our grandparents threw away that would be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars today. God only knows. God only knows. And another one, Vincent Van Gogh. You know, we all heard of the great Vincent Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. One of his paintings just sold uh, 
Uh, they had they owned it for one of the century. They just sold it for nineteen point one million dollars. Wow. Uh, when you have time, um, there's a show on Netflix called, uh, made you look it's yeah, a I heard about that. documentary about, uh, some fraudulent art. And, uh, I, I was just captivated, uh, you know, fake Rothko's and, and Pollock's, um, very interesting, uh, movie. Um, at the end, they start to show you some of the clients that bought this, uh, artwork in, in who sued the company uh-huh. and you'll never believe what name I saw on there. Who? Frank J. Fertitta. You're kidding. Yeah. So he, uh, he, I mean, it sounds like that lawsuit got settled and it was taken care of, but uh, that, oh, that was wasn't... an interesting name to see across the uh, the screen. Very interesting. So he got duped into a, a fake and he lawsuit. Well, these people that were selling the fakes, like they had uh, authenticated experts come in and go, yeah, that this looks to be of the period. It looks to be right. Yeah. As far as I can say, this is 100% on point. And uh, it turns out it was uh, a math professor from China that was taking pretty extraordinary lengths to forge the artwork. But the thing that was actually kind of neat about it is while he was forging the artwork, and that's bad and that's terrible, right. it was his ability to do so that made him almost just as every bit as good as the artist that actually yeah. made those pieces of work. But obviously Sorry. everything means everything when it comes to, or anything means everything when it comes to authenticity and, and the price. You can have a, a painting that is evaluated at millions of dollars. You find out that it's a fake and no one will give you a hundred bucks for it. No, totally understandable. You got to watch out for it. You got to, you got to keep your sharp eyes and it's right. all about <clears throat> buyers beware. Buyers right. That's why you got to go buy those NFTs now. Still not exactly sure what the hell that means, I, but I don't think you can I'm fake still an trying NFT. To fi- I got two meetings this week on it. I'm still trying to figure it all out, but you right. know what? In this case, money's talking and people are walking. Hey. I don't think everybody knows what they're doing. It, it sounds like it's really cool. I mean, if it's a way that you can create something that is truly one of a kind and, and you can't uh, forge it, then yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. But I, I just don't know how, like there was a, a clip of one of the NFTs was like a, a, a three second clip of Steph Curry draining a three point shot. And it's like, well, how is that just not on YouTube? I don't I'm understand. Getting, people are talking about taking this and making an NFT out of it. My punch. How? like making it gold and moving around I'm learning all this. It's, 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 it's but again, crazy what is, like, what is it? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, I mean, buffer, go make the money. Just, just drink it. Okay. <laughs> right. You don't have to do anything. But you just can't drink, even it. drink an NFT. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm supposed to display an NFT. Uh, you know it's what? It's like a Bitcoin. Sure. TBD. It's worth a lot of money, but I don't know what it is. TBD to be continued. I think Tell us what's learn, happened. We're, we're going to learn more about Bitcoin we're, we're gonna pretty learn, soon. Yeah, we've got a we got a special guest coming on in April, uh, third week of April. Uh, Sammy's friend's going to fill us Crypt, all in on everything. Crypto is really interesting. Like we'll learn more then. Let's not go into it now. Well, I, I'm just I, saying. I, Bruce, I actually, it, ha- I, I I still don't understand. You could give me Bitcoin, and I know it's worth money, but I if I can't physically hold it, I I still feel like you didn't give me anything. I'm going to be learning as you learn. Let's learn together. All right. Let's see what's up. And we'll educate our listeners at the same time. All right, everybody, if you're listening to us now, subscribe to us on YouTube. Go to YouTube, subscribe. Giveaways will be happening in the future to all subscribers having a chance to win, especially when UFC start going live again. Hint, 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 hint. Subscribe to the show. Watch the show on video. TJ, what's going on? Anything? Um, This week, I'm going to be down in Los Mochis, Sinaloa, Mexico uh, for Icon Fighting Federation. Um, they got back-to-back nights with uh, RJJ Boxing on Thursday. Uh, Mixed Martial Arts takes center stage on Friday. It is headlined by UFC veteran Brock Weaver, who's trying to get back to the octagon. So um, definitely check that out on Friday night. I believe the first fight is uh, at 5 p.m. Pacific time, I think. So right. uh, tune in, check out Fight Pass. Also check out the show Extra Rounds. Uh, myself, Dean Thomas, Ray Longo, Pearl Gonzalez, uh, chopping up all the uh, MMA action uh, from the octagon and uh it's fun so check it out ufc fight pass uh and the fight pass facebook page very cool what a couple of characters you work with longo and pearl <laughs> oh trust me they get me in trouble all the time i have no doubt i have no doubt and it's fun trouble i'm sure all right everybody i really enjoyed seeing you all from the octagon on saturday i'll be back on april 10th for the next ufc show and until then i'll be back next week with tj with another exciting guest which we did not have this week except for tj and i'll call you exciting tj as my guest that's and, the first uh, time ever there it is. So we'll talk to you next week. Everybody set your goals, write them down, be the best you can be when you set on that path. As you're going through the path of life, 
by being the best you can be, that means you're winning. That's what we're all about here on It's Time Radio. Thank you again for all your videos and audios coming into BruceBuffer.com. And, of course, the Cameo orders that I fulfill and that TJ DeSantis fulfills you on Cameo. Check out TJ DeSantis on his Cameos, me on mine. Don't say a word, TJ. I'm selling. And also go to BruceBuffer.com, and we'll get those weddings, those birthdays, those special events. You name it, we do it. Your wish is my command. Love you all. Thanks for tuning in. Always take a puncher's chance, as proven Saturday night. Buffer out. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.